0: I'm Brett Chang, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, December 13th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Canadian maple syrup production has hit five-year low. Is it a five-year low? Now, it's driven by bad weather in Ontario and New Brunswick. It's also really bad for the business, but it's terrible for pancake lovers. If a shortage ensues, you may have to turn to, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the fake stuff. Not very Canadian of us. I, you know, if you've ever watched that Netflix show, Dirty Money, there's a great episode about a secret Canadian maple syrup reserve. We might have to start dipping into that a bit to make sure we avoid having a shortage in this country. But Peak Pals, we've got a great non-syrupy episode for you today. For our first story, a wartime effort to build more homes. For our second story, AI invades the newsroom. And for our third story, COP28 goes into overtime. For our first story. When all else fails, try finding answers to today's problems in the good old history books. The problem we're talking about today is that the federal is housing, and the federal government is rolling out a catalog of pre-approved home designs to speed up housing development in the midst of a nationwide shortage, one that continues to fuel some of the most expensive housing costs seen across all G7 nations. The idea is ripped straight from Canada's post-war housing strategy that dates back to the 1940s, a time when returning soldiers were struggling to find places to live. These efforts shouldn't be confused with the full intervention that happened after the war, including direct involvement in building, buying, renting, and managing homes. This matters a lot because Canada needs 5.8 million homes by 2030 to restore affordability, according to the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation. But for over a year now, housing experts have been saying that there's zero chance that happens without sweeping top-down changes. Unlike post-war designs, the government is looking for high-density blueprints. Think multiplexes, mid-rises, student housing, garden suites, and laneway homes. Which brings me to the bottom line. The federal government has faced serious backlash over the high cost of living lately as record-high immigration continue to outpace the number of homes built. The response is a start, but fixing housing will likely take more than a few approved designs. For our second story, they say you can't teach an old newspaper new tricks, but the gray lady wants to get with the Times and dabble in some AI. That's right, the New York Times hired an editorial director of AI initiatives to chart a path forward for using AI in its newsrooms as more media companies experiment with the technology. A slight change in pace given its approach to AI has been cautious so far. Big picture, the news of AI by news outlets has been well-documented this year, including BuzzFeed, MSN, and Sports Illustrated, and usually not for good reasons. Results have been plagued with plagiarism, factual inaccuracies, and plain old poor writing. Websites like CNET and Investing.com have caught serious flack for using AI bots to write articles that had serious errors or ripped off already published articles online. Regional U.S. newspaper giant Garnet even added a pilot where AI covered high school sports after its bot wrote what was maybe the worst sports journalism ever. This matters because while the New York Times affirmed that its news will always be reported, written, and edited by humans, the higher is a firm recognition of AI's place in the newsroom. If arguably the world's most influential newspaper gives AI the okay, well, other newsrooms are sure to follow. Meanwhile, some publishers are ready to go all in on AI. Germany's Axel Springer will shut down its news outlet Update to create an AI-powered trend news generator. But take a look at the big picture, AI will be a big concern for journalists looking to protect their livelihoods. Come contract negotiation time, unions repping writers at the AP, the Wall Street Journal, and the LA Times have already proposed contract updates that directly address AI. For our third story, the UN COP28 Climate Summit in Dubai went into overtime as environmental ministers made, like us, in university, and they pulled an all-nighter desperately trying to finish a project. Here's what's driving the news. COP28's president is expected to announce the conference's final draft of commitments sometime this morning, despite the conference technically ending yesterday. Negotiations went deep into the night over how strict fossil fuel reduction goals should be, and an initial draft infuriated many nations as it stopped short of calling for a full phase-out of fossil fuels, instead calling for voluntary reductions in production and consumption. The final draft will reportedly be much tougher on fossil fuels if it gets approved. You see, the draft needs unanimous support from all 193 participating nations. And it matters because the legitimacy of COP is in peril depending on the outcome of the draft. What's supposed to be the most important event to fight climate change was slammed this year for the participation of big oil and oil-producing Gulf states suppressing the agenda. The bottom line is, while there's optimism that the goal of limiting temps to 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels can be met, there's also a lot of doubt. And with Azerbaijan, another major oil-producing nation set to host next year, criticism is sure to continue. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thanks, Peak Pals. Have a great day.